welcome back to the prequel at the end of the book podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Lydia. Jen. I'm Rachel. Um, before we get into the this episode, which certainly was an episode, um, just a quick content warning that we will be discussing topics related to racism and anti-Semitism. So yeah, consider this uh, our airing of grievances. <laughs> um, so this episode is Suspicious Minds, and it was written by Gabriel Alejandro Garza and Julia Cooperman, and it was directed by Andy Armaganian. Um, how do you say? Yeah, that? I'm pretty sure that's that's probably right. All right. So here's the synopsis. Get ready, folks. This episode begins with a cold opening de- depicting a flashback to 1957. A housewife named Dorothea is struggling with her broken-down vehicle late at night when another woman stops to offer assistance. Only, the newcomer is actually an Akrita who strikes her brutally over the head with a crowbar. In the present day, Millie has successfully rigged up an alarm system for the clubhouse that will let them know if they have any other uninvited guests. John finds a letter addressed to Mary from Kansas State University, and she admits that, despite applying, she's been too afraid to open the response. John opens the letter and confirms that Mary has been accepted, but before they can celebrate, the alarm sounds and the pair head to the clubhouse. Meanwhile, Carlos and Lada are on the hunt for the Akrita Queen, but Lada calls Carlos out on being distracted from their mission. Carlos confesses that he has caught serious feelings for Anton and has been considering ending the relationship to avoid having to worry about a romantic entanglement with the fate of the world hanging in the balance. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Before Lada can talk him out of the course of action, he realizes that they might be able to speak to a former Akrita host in order to get information on where the queen is hiding. At the clubhouse, John and Mary find the place spotless and perfectly organized, and a man who introduces himself as a former men of letters Porter Hobbs waiting for them. Hobbs explains that he's come out of retirement to help them fight the Akrita. He explains that he was a neurosurgeon recruited by the MOL to help with experimenting, quote unquote, on monsters and assisted them with repelling the Akrita during their last incursion in the 50s. He explains that he has the ability to create a neurotoxin that will kill the queen, but he needs access to some Akrita stingers in order to create it. Uh, Lata and Carlos break into the motel room where Roxy, now distinctly not rockin', is passed out amidst a mess of liquor bottles. She reveals that as a result of her behavior while possessed and her PTSD following her exorcism, she's lost her apartment, her girlfriend, and her job at the radio station. Lata confirms that the repressed memories she's been struggling with are real and offers to help her forget them if Roxy will first allow her to help recover the memories to get the information they need. While John and Mary are busy kidnapping the Akrita-possessed cop, the rest of the Akrita are meeting up to discuss what to do about Dean, who is the Akrita's public enemy, number one. Akrita Kyle explains that he has a plan to draw Dean out into the open so they can eliminate him. Once John and Mary get their captive Akrita back to the clubhouse, Hobbs starts his work on extracting the stingers, but his personal investment in their mission makes the duo suspicious of his motives. When they look deeper into the Men of Letters personnel files, they realize their surprise guest may actually be Porter Hobbs' assistant, Jack Wilcox, who was expelled from the organization for experimenting on humans. They also discover he had a wife named Dorothea, the woman we saw being attacked by the Akrita in 1957. Back in Roxy's motel room, Lata is making preparations for a blood ritual that will allow Roxy to recover her repressed memories. 
Carlos questions how Lata knows this kind of magic, and she reveals that Ada's half-gin son, Tony, has been visiting her in her dreams to teach her, among other things. She, wink, wink. <laughs> she paints Roxy's arms with magic symbols and casts a spell to allow Roxy to enter a hypnotic state. As Roxy begins to relive her traumatic experience with the Akrita, Lata talks her through revealing where the queen is buried. Once she wakes up from her trance, Roxy questions why she can still remember. Lata explains they still have to complete the second step of the spell to erase her memories, but Roxy rejects the offer, stating that she wants to remember that she was part of saving the world from the Akrita. John and Mary confront their visitor, who confirms that he is indeed Jack Wilcox and not Porter Hobbs. He knocks the pair out, and when John comes to, he's tied up, and Jack explains he's not going to use the Akrita Stingers to synthesize a weapon. He goes to the lab where Mary is trapped and explains that he has been keeping his wife in magical stasis ever since she was attacked, and he plans to use the Stingers as a magical transmitter to allow his wife and himself to take over John and Mary's bodies to live out the lives he feels the Akrita robbed of them, robbed them of, sorry. John breaks free of his bonds only to be confronted by a golem Jack has corrupted. He attempts to fight off the golem but is unsuccessful with their fight eventually bringing them to the surgery room where Jack is very tied up. During the fight, John is able to free Mary and she defeats the golem which collapses on top of Jack and Dorothea, killing them both. Carlos admits that he's been inspired by Roxy's courage in the face of her trauma, and despite his fears about his relationship with Anton, he doesn't want to just forget it and move on. The duo make their way to where Roxy said the Akrita Queen is holed up and stake out the building. John and Mary bury the body of their unexpected intruder and discuss how his obsession with saving his wife and getting revenge was not an expression of love. Later, as John returns to the garage, he finds Kyle waiting for him. Kyle explains how he set up a, tra a trail of evidence, making it look like John has been harassing him for weeks and called the cops to arrive in just a few moments with her stabbing his human vessel and leaving. John is left with the dead man's blood on his hands as Millie and the police arrive on the scene. What? Uh, okay, first of all, take that back. Roxy's always rocking. I'm just <laughs> I just want to say. So, yeah. It happened. Right. It happened, everybody. We finally hit an episode. We were just like... Like I am confusion, and then also, why did you do that? Why did you do that? It feels like there were like two two things going on right here. Like first was the um, thing that we will talk about, which is the casual anti-Semitism, and then there was just the overall. The, the minor gripes, like the overall story things that we were just like, yeah, which, about, which are know? passable because every show has an episode like that. That's fine. But there were some... There's like an incident. There's an incident and a half that we're going to talk about. So, yeah. Um, we'll start with the minor gripes, though. Yeah. Right? That feels fair. Yeah. I think we can all agree that it was just kind of a little boring. Yeah. Which is subjective, obviously, but like, it was a little boring. Uh, meandered a little bit. I don't know. I feel like the two different plots, like you couldn't really tell which was supposed to be the A plot or the B plot. Yeah. Because. Um, which like, the, like the Carlos and Lata one deserved the A plot energy because that was like connected to the overall story that we have going right now. But like, it seemed like the John and Mary stuff was being given more weight, even though they threw a totally brand new character into the mix and expected us to just roll with it. Yeah. Like, like Lata and Carlos are literally the a plot they they are the a plot in this episode because the a plot should be about the lore and like like the myth arc i mean and that and they were <laughs> and john only yeah. was at the very end 
where Kyle was stabbed and was thus brought back into all of this. So that was a little weird. Um, and, and then also speaking of Kyle, um, I, we didn't get to spend enough time with him before or after we found out he was in Akrita to really care about him. So the host getting off didn't really carry all that emotional weight. And like in some, on one hand, I give the show some kind of leniency because they have a short amount of time to do things. Right. And it hasn't felt too rushed since until this point. So I'm wondering if some stuff has gotten cut along the way. Well, I'm not even wondering if stuff has gotten cut. Like, I don't think we necessarily needed to feel much emotional connection to Kyle. I just feel like it kind of came out of nowhere in terms of feeling the emotional fallout for John. Yeah. Because we haven't seen much of Kyle. You know? Like, the only interaction he had with John was at the beginning of this episode. So, like, it just felt like it kind of came out of nowhere. And I'm assuming that we're going to look back at this episode once the finale airs and be like, oh, so this is what this episode was doing. Like, I bet that'll happen, or at least for some of it. But right now, we're just like, hmm. Bye, Kyle. Womp womp. Yeah. I called Kyle being an Akrita in episode three. I did. You did. So. But I'm afraid of what Anton is, because they gave all of these characters, like John and Mary, obviously we knew we were going to be together, but, like, they gave Lada, um... Tony, they gave Carlos uh, Anton, and then Mary brushed with Kyle, and then there's Betty, and then it's just kind of like, I'm really suspicious of these love interests now. I'm like super <laughs> duper suspicious. Yeah, maybe Anton's cute. Whatever. I don't give a shit. Like, I'm, I'm casting <laughs> suspicion on everyone at this point. I'm not suspicious of, like, actual Anton and Tony, but I have thoughts about potential... Uh... If maybe it wasn't actually Tony and Lotta's dreams when we get to that part of the discussion, yeah. but you know, um, all right, <laughs> the incident Talk about the, the as, as we're calling it. So we're actually so to start with just like another thing about the episode that was not great was um, the when we were first introduced to you know Hobbs. And, uh, he, you know, they, John and Mary capture, uh, the, the person they know that's possessed by an accretor right now. Um, there's the scene in the bunker or in the bunker, in the clubhouse where they're in like the medical, like the surgical room, whatever. And a black man is on the table when this, with this guy about to medically experiment on him. And... I feel like it was probably an unfortunate coincidence just because we have met the character before. It's like the one character that they really could have kidnapped who is possessed by an Akrita right now. However, I, I, I don't know if I need to explain the history of the United States, how historically we have, you know, used black men and women to experiment on medically. But and it would have been an interesting, like commentary on that. But the episode wasn't about that, you know. Yeah, exactly. And like, it was, you know, it's it's not like they didn't express, John and Mary didn't express some like, eyebrow raising at him saying he, you know, performed lobotomies on monsters, because, and I'm pretty sure the audience is supposed to raise eyebrows at yeah. it. And it's possible it was trying to be a commentary, but like, it didn't land if it was. No. And in combination with 
other incident of the episode. It just is not a great look no. for the show. And then the other incident is um, the golem and how that was used. Yeah. So one of the few areas in which the original Supernatural actually like excelled, to me at least, um, and other people might, other Jewish people might disagree, but um, for me, I think that the original Supernatural actually kind of did well in terms of representing Jewish characters and Jewish uh, folklore. Um, the original Golem episode is one of my favorites of the original show, and the way that they used the Golem in this episode almost felt a little bit like a slap in the face to Ben Edlund, actual Jewish writers work on that episode yeah because of the way that they killed the golem killed defeated the golem so what i think happened in terms of like how this got through so many rounds of edits and then to screen and then airing as it did is that they just like didn't really think about act really contextualizing the golem as a figure of jewish folklore it feels like the rationale was probably it was a figure that Jack could easily manipulate to do his bidding. And then that, you know, Golem is made of clay. Um, clay hardens in a kiln. So if, like, we get it to harden, we can have, them, you know, the bad guy be killed without the heroes having to kill a human. Um, however, <laughs> you got to zoom out. I've been saying this. Like, on a micro level, I can see how, like, the the logic leaps happen to get us here, but also the macro level, like this is Jewish folklore. You have to make sure that you're not putting something out there, especially right now, that isn't actively like harmful yeah. or like portraying. And like, or, uh, you didn't yeah. have to have a golem. They didn't, it didn't have to be a golem. It did not have to be a golem. They could have figured if it, they really wanted the golem, they could have figured out a different way. And we're, we're going to talk about this. Like magic exists. Yeah, you can. Airing a, of grievances section. But like, you didn't have to use the the oven. You didn't have to use the yeah. oven. It was very upsetting. I would have been more upset if I hadn't been watching on a really laggy stream because it took me a minute to like really realize what was going on. But like. Because like, I thought that. <laughs> She was just going to reach in there and take the squirrel out of his mouth. Same. Like. Exactly. I thought she was just going to open the door, like unlock yeah. the door, reach in, take the squirrel out of his mouth, and then like the golem would turn on him yeah. and kill him. Like that would have been totally fine. That would have been, frankly, like, or like even without, this. the reason why it's so frustrating is because one, I really don't think because they've been really thoughtful and intentional up till now about the diversity on this show. I really don't think that this was intentional, which like makes it a little bit more frustrating mm -hmm. because it's like, I wish you had taken the time that you've been taking for other things to like assess how this looks, but also just in the context of Jewish folklore and the fact that, you know, this golem was muzzled and like manipulated by this guy, it would have been so easy to just have like, I don't know. I feel like it would have been easy to figure out a way to have one of them take off the mask that was that was on him and for the other to like you know i don't know find a way to like reach in and take the scroll out well, even like Mary, you know like jump and then back. and then keep the golem alive keep the golem alive and then the golem turns on jack and i feel like that would actually be a really powerful thing to see because you know 
like that would have been an actual statement on like, you know, this is what comes to people who experiment on others, other beings, you know, and it, and it, and it would maintain its role as a, it would get to reclaim its role as protector. Then it would get to, you know, actively like fight back against the Nazi, mm-hmm. you know, cause it was very, I mean, you know, that's what it felt like Jack was to me, you know? But, and then so, again, just in general, they didn't have, if, if the point was to have a, a monster under some sinister person's control, the men of letters had spells and spells and spells, knowledge of this or that, trinkets yeah. up the ass. Like, you can literally get, doesn't have to be a human, you can literally get anyone, anyone to have served in that role of yeah. manipulated monster to defend evil guy but uh, like like with the original golem episode we saw like an adversarial relationship between the golem and aaron uh because aaron didn't know what to do because he wasn't connected to his roots very well and this whole like the whole but like the golem was like an actual character and like got space in the episode and like they they ended the episode with like a mended relationship and aaron wasn't expendable you know yeah, the golem wasn't expendable, and they and like when the golem was, you know, because the golem did, I'm pretty sure, have a moment of getting controlled by the tool in that. That's what yeah. they were called, right? The tool in that episode, and like they saved the golem. Like the golem was deemed like deemed worthy of like saving from these people, you know. Yeah. So it's just like, why, why did you have to do this? Why did you have to do the golem so dirty? Yeah. Uh, it was very frustrating. It's really just also the imagery, especially given just like of International Holocaust Remembrance Day, which is a couple weeks ago. It's just and and yeah. in the environment that we're like in right now. Yeah, I personally, and I'm not Jewish, so I can't obviously be the one to put a definitive thought on this. But like, to me, this is just one of those examples of just like casual anti-semitism like you're like subconscious like you're not paying attention so everyone across the chain just keeps approving it because oh well the last guy approved it so let's just keep doing it and it's just like complacency ignorance if that makes sense yeah so my thing about this is that like to me more than being a statement on like oh these two writers are so anti-semitic or whatever it's more a statement on like the lack of understanding yeah. of what actually constitutes anti-Semitism yeah. because it is very misunderstood, I feel like. Yeah. Um, and it gets obfuscated by like bad faith actors as to what it actually is. And so therefore nobody really understands what it is if you aren't Jewish. And it's, so it's harder to notice. And like to a certain extent, I get that because everybody has to start from somewhere and everybody has to learn And like, I don't have, and I'm somebody who like, I have no issue like being an educator in terms of these issues. I literally teach at Hebrew school. So like, I don't fault people for like not knowing something that is often made difficult to understand by people who want it to be hard to understand by anti-Semites, you know, but also that's all the more reason to try a little bit harder I feel like it's also you know this is one of those good examples like I mean I don't think we'll ever have access to the writers but if I I, 
we weren't the only ones, obviously, to to make this connection. I saw people unrelated to our server um, and this podcast kind of making those comments. I saw it was all over my Twitter timeline. Yeah, and so I imagine also feedback was given to the CW. I emailed the CW. It was a very nice. I did too. Email, but it was strongly worded. Yeah. So yeah, no, I did too. I don't know if they'll pass the information on or not. Just basically, but, yeah. um, obviously, I can't tell what the the faith or their their backgrounds of the writers are who wrote this episode, but I feel like it's safe to make an educated guess that there might not be anyone who's Jewish on the writing staff or in the yeah, chain. Of that's the- what it seems like. I could be wrong. But yeah, we could but definitely like, be it wrong. Really feel. But it feels like a Jewish person would maybe have caught this. Yeah, like our our live chat so. it like, like that. Like especially since I don't know, I just looked I just looked this up because I didn't know the answer, but Rachel, you probably do. In Jewish folklore, like putting a golem in a kiln is not the way to kill it, right? No. Well, no, I mean so golem are they are made of like sand slash clay. Um, and they're molded. They usually have like a word written on their forehead. Um, and then they have the scroll placed in their mouth to be the protector of the person who puts the scroll in the mm-hmm. mouth. And uh, so like, I, I like, I don't know if there's any lore on like how you get rid of a golem because you don't want to get rid of a golem because they're not villains. They're not villains in Jewish yeah. folklore. They're protectors. So like, I like I can see the logic of like oh a creature made of clay we got to figure out a way to like harden it mm-hmm. you know to like deal with it that'll that'll you know defeat this thing but the whole point of a golem is that it's not of something to be fought right it's something that does the fighting for a cause and that's why that's why like if if this episode had been written by a Jewish person cuz I feel fairly comfortable based on how the episode turned out that it wasn't written by a Jewish person. If it had been written by a Jewish person, that's why I feel like including the golem being muzzled and manipulated by this guy, the ending would have been to unmuzzle the golem, take the scroll out of its mouth and then have the golem turn on Jack. And I, and like I said already, like that, that would have been like a powerful way to end that story because then the golem gets to reclaim its, proper sort of like place in in its in its folklore but instead it got killed and it because... got killed while being manipulated like there was no way for yeah. this golem to exist how it was meant to be ex- like meant to exist yes exactly so it just was it was very disappointing and that's when you can just go back to why couldn't have this been any other monster something else yeah. well and it's like apparently this is not the first like so I told my husband about this and he obviously he's not Jewish, he doesn't know anything about Jewish folklore and I was explaining to him he's very like media media blind as well <laughs> it has to be explained to him as to why all them out not good um and so he was like oh he was like that's so weird because like he reads a lot of fantasy and he's like in like maybe like five or six fantasy books I've read there's a golem and that's the way they kill him it's like they put him in a kiln and I was like yeah so sorry what what fantasy books is he reading i don't know i was like i was like so obviously i feel like this is not like it's not i'm doing a google search right now because that i feel like this is one of those things where it's like anti-semitism is really ingrained in a lot of things and things 
maybe we've grown up in society around that we weren't aware we're anti-Semitic. So, okay. In, in the actual folklore, golem are deactivated. So the, the word that uh, they have written on their, on their forehead is emet, which means truth. And the way you deactivate them is you remove the aleph, which is the first letter of emet, and it changes the word from emet to met, which means dead or death. And that's how you deactivate a goal. Mm-hmm. But even deactivating it, that's not killing it. So I think the fantasy books are also. I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, not saying your husband is. I don't think that at all. But like whoever wrote those books internalized some of that. So. Like, that's what I was saying. I feel like it's not the first, it's not the first time that people have, I could see how they get from like, oh, well, it's made of clay, whatever, you know, but without like thinking further, like, I'm not doing deep research. And I think it's also just, again, chalks up to uh, society really just having casual anti-Semitism and not even being aware of it. Like, like, yeah, like the amount of people who still don't know that goblins like especially in Harry Potter. Oh um, yeah, goblins are. I mean, and that that is a like historically throughout all sorts. And like, the depiction of with, witches with big noses. Depiction of witches, dwarves, and Lord of the Rings. Yep. Like, right. like it's a fantasy trope. Like they're like so. It's not even like I necessarily blame like the individual authors. J.K. Rowling, I do, but <laughs> um, uh, but it's just it's one of those things that has just become so commonplace and removed from its origins that people just don't even know anymore. And that's why I think it's really important to talk about it because because it is just so ingrained. Like anti-Semitism is one of the oldest forms of oppression uh, because Jews have been around for a very long time and have been scapegoated since they've been around pretty much uh, or since, you know, Christians decided to start doing their thing. But so like so ingrained into certain aspects of our society or certain aspects of like the sci-fi fantasy genre that it is hard to see sometimes how something might be anti-Semitic, but like that doesn't make it not anti-Semitic. And, and, I, and, and when it goes back to main supernatural, like I get that for a lot of the times on their Jewish stuff, they were good. It's because Kripke was Jewish. You have Jewish writers and everything. They had a huge Jewish writing staff. They failed a lot in other respects because there was a lot of white Jews or and male Jews, but like Well that's it, right? So like with, with other cultures and gods, they really did like screw it know. up a lot. Um yeah. and they were racist. Like we're not gonna forget the Sam versus Gordon issues. Yeah. With the swatting and then the I'm just gonna say it because we shouldn't hide it what it was, the lynching. So it's like it's not like Maine Supernatural got it right, but because they had Jewish people incorporated into the crew, um, they could easily uh under it's also still one of the only shows that gave any sort of black Jewish representation that I've seen on TV with Rufus, which is just like pretty I like, you know. But so basically like I would just like to um, slip a note to Robbie because these writers of this episode are, had good episodes on their own for, for some reason, putting them together, you get not only this, but you get just whatever the story was, which I, yeah. So, so if Robbie is listening to this, don't let them write together again, keep them separate from now on. Yeah. So also just to be like, we still love the show. We're still excited for the future episodes. Like, but this is just like the call in to like do better with Jewish issues because we believe that they can do better. They've shown us that they can do better than the original show. So like, 
This, you know what this like, I know it's there. Like expand, expand the bounds of what you apply it to. It was a buck loving episode, but the amount of ins- ins- it, it, like insensitive imagery and the lack of a what the fuck's the first story, what's the B story, like what what's yeah. going on, felt a little buck lemming ish. Um, felt a little buck lemming. So if you put these two yeah. writers together, you're gonna get a buck lemming. And Robbie, I don't think you want that. No, no, Robbie, I really don't think you want that. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, I have no idea what that means because I don't remember Supernatural. Um, Brad Buckner <laughs> and Eugenie Ross Lemming were the writing duo that wrote Route 666 and then were, did not write again until season seven. Didn't they write um, the Bees episode? What? Who wrote Bugs? Who wrote Bugs? No, that was a one-off team. It was Rachel Mave and Dave Coakley. Oh, right. Yeah. I know that. I, I always think that they wrote Caged Heat. That was Brett Matthews. Oh, Brett Matthews. My absolute beloved so anyway fuck that fucking guy. you're not listening to this brett matthews so i have full confidence saying fuck you no one likes you even though <laughs> literally Keith did have one of my favorite scenes ever of the entire show but a broken clock is right twice a day um anyway um he also helped i mean you know this was also part sarah gamble but he also helped kill rufus and for that i will never forget them yeah no for real so you know if we're gonna talk talk about anti-semitism he helped kill Rufus. When does Rufus die? Girl, have you okay. watched this show? <laughs> have you watched this show? Previously. <laughs> I don't. Lydia, I'm going to go to your house. I'm going to plant myself on your couch, and I'm going to shackle you there, and we're going to watch the entire show from start to finish. Okay? <laughs> I remember Bonnie dying. I don't remember Rufus dying. Rufus um, died in the episode where they get the... the and then um, there were none. It's the... It's with Samuel, Rufus, Bobby, and then they had the fucking penis worm that kept going in their ear. Um, oh, I remember the worm. And Dean shoots and kills Gwen when he's possessed by the dick worm. And then Bobby has a scary voice, but the dick worm, it's it's a dick worm. And that's it's, it, I think it's, an, it's a send up of a Star Trek episode also is my understanding. Um, yeah. It's con. like, yeah. It's the con yeah. or something. Um, I like calling it a dick worm because it looks phallic. (laughs) Yeah, but they kill Rufus in it. And I've been mad, mad at both Sarah Gamble and Brett Matthews because they co-wrote that episode. There was literally no reason to kill Rufus whatsoever. Literally no reason. Just to give Bobby man pain over his husband dying. I'm like, come on, really? Like, if you're going to do that, then you have to give me a, a, a... Lydia, just so you know, they weren't actually married, but like I shipped them pretty hardcore. So. <laughs> they were in my head. They were in my mm-hmm. brain. That that yeah. the the episode where Bobby's dying and they get to go like on an Rufus adventure is like while- his guide through the thing. Through it was like, so Dante Inferno. So- I loved it. Listen, I know I was just hating on Sarah Gamble. I'm pretty sure she wrote that episode though, Death's Door, and it is one of the best episodes of the series. So like you know. <laughs> Is there an episode um, where, like, Rufus and Bobby, like, go... Safe House in season 11, written by Robbie, which is a great episode. Thank you for that, Robbie. Okay. Um, so they're alive. Yeah. It's a, it's a flashback for that episode. It's a flashback. Yeah. So they oh, are alive. That's, but it's, like, like happened in the past. I don't remember Rufus dying because he was in... Yeah. I, the, before we move on quickly, the thing about Sarah Gamble is that, unfortunately, she's a good writer while also having very poor... Uh, decisions on a macro level. Oh yeah, but she's like 
anti-black and also has diabolical gender politics as we like to say she's horrible she and 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 just the way she can and she really likes queer torture porn but at the same time craft lovely episodes and it's like i fucking i'm so like i'm so frustrated that technically you're a very good writer but you also like put forth all of this really like i shove you in the same category as jk rowling basically yeah even though jk rowling isn't a good writer okay well let's go on to some bright spots about this episode (laughs) anyway there were some good things about this episode so we're gonna end on the positive so that's what we're we're moving on to the moving on to the alleged b plot it should have been the a plot it felt like the a plot to me (laughs) in my heart um but yeah i just carlos and lada's friendship is like one of the best parts of the show I love them it's so, so much. good. It's so good. Like you can, I feel like it's one of those things too, where you can sense like the camaraderie that they've been building, like in real life while making yeah. this show. And it's just so lovely to see. It feels like, like real friends. Yeah. Like I'm watching real friends. Mm-hmm. And Tony and Lada's little secret fucking dream date. Um, It's cute. It's really cute. It's if it's actually cool. Tony. But it's really cute. No, don't ruin it. Don't ruin it for me. <laughs> don't ruin it for me. Listen, the the with the fabric, the hotel bedspread, and then like the curtain, the fabric being the same as Gabriel's shirt mm-hmm. in that episode. Do I'm that like, I'm wondering if like Latha has been going to Loki and her and trapped in her mirror for like magic advice or like maybe it's been it's been gabriel loki entering her dreams to share knowledge like that's the song i do like that idea i do like you know so i like i hope i simultaneously hope that isn't isn't the case because i love the idea of lata and tony having dream dates (laughs) me too but you know what else i however (laughs) someone brought this up in our chat um and i don't think it would work but I like the concept of this, that Lada and Carlos are the true vessels for the remaining archangels. So yeah, Gabriel you know, and Raphael, Michael is John, Lucifer is Mary, Raphael would be um, Carlos. Carlos, and then Loki, or uh, I almost called him Lucifer, fucking Gabriel <laughs> would be Lada, Lada which yeah. I think would be fucked because she's pretty That'd clever. Yeah, she'd be a great, I feel like that would be a great Gabriel vessel. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh. (laughs) I feel like more, that might also, I mean, I know you said that you don't know if this would work, but like that could also very much fit into the first draft theory. It could. And I feel like it would be really cool to like have this group of friends be like the vessels for all four archangels also. That would be pretty cool. I just fucking cool. I want them all um, possessed at the same time, even though it's not possible with Mary with Lucifer. But like, I want them all possessed at the same time, and just having like family drama, like hunting Chuck down at like a fucking concert that he's playing, <laughs> and just being like, "Let's go, bitch! Let's let's, let's go, bitches! Let's get our dad." <laughs> um, um, also, really seeing fun. Bridget back as Roxy was spectacular because she absolutely ate every scene. God, she's um, so good. She listened. Her revenge seems to be going well uh, since now we have a redheaded lesbian who has very pointedly not been fridged. And Robbie, <laughs> please, for the love of God, do not take her away from me. I don't think he will. Well, I mean, I need- she might, like, not in, not in, like, a permanent way. She might not, like, show up on the show again, but, like, he's not going to kill her. As long as I know she didn't die bloody in yeah. a bathtub or exactly. whatever, I'm fine. And Robbie like, wouldn't do that to his own 
redheaded lesbian. We know he wouldn't. No. So. But I do want to thank the show and akin to Robbie again for giving me once again a redheaded lesbian. Yeah. Um, um, also, just like Bridget Regan continues to like do everything for the women loving women community. Yes. I feel like like everything she's been, I've seen her in at least, she's played like an extremely like competent and sexy lesbian. And I'm just like, thank you for continuing to do so, ma'am. I don't know if she's a <laughs> lesbian in real life, but like. She's married to a man and has kids with a man, but like that doesn't mean she's not straight. So. No, 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 no. That's fine. But I, yeah. I'm like, oh, ooh, she's married. She's so yeah. hot. Like I never really watched she's anything. She's so hot. I'm obs- I've been in love with her for like oh, years. You I love her have- so much. You have to watch her in Jane She's the Virgin. She's so good in Jane She's the Virgin. She's so good in Jane the Virgin. Jane the Virgin is one of the best shows the CW ever had, Jen. So, like, okay. Uh, no. All right. Okay, listen. Jane the Virgin is a CW show. Yeah. I don't like TV. <laughs> I don't actually like watching Jane the Virgin shows. and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend are objectively the two best shows they've ever had, in my opinion. It feels nothing like a CW show. It's a CW show. Yeah, that's insane. I I watched it on, on Netflix, so like I wouldn't know, but like I like that's... old shows. I like shows that are complete. I like political shows. I like supernatural. I don't like comedies, and I don't like teen dramas very much. Mm. It's a telenovela. It's like, like telenovela, but grounded in reality, which was what makes it made it so great. I'll just watch it for Bridget. But anyway, back to back to the Winchesters. <laughs> the, the the biggest the more pressing thing about Roxy is the memory erasure has been a recurring plot point throughout Supernatural and usually against the individual's will. This episode gave Roxy back her agency to choose to keep her memories. And related to that, now that we know Lada has been learning memory magic, ma'am, how does this feed into our suspicions that a memory wipe or reset might be in the works for one or more characters at the fu- That is insane to me. Lada, yeah. why are you... Why? This is why I'm like... Is Loki slash Gabriel inserting himself? Well, for real. Like, because what other yeah. magic would there be to erase someone's memory like that if you were not a cosmic being? Because we've never seen in my... And like she said, it was blood magic, you know? But like... Fucking blood magic? What are you... Like, are you going out of the Necrocomicon or something? Like, Jesus. <laughs> Part of me, I very much want Lotta to be a normal human being. However, this has now just put the thought in my head of like, what if she is the one who has not... Like, she is whatever placed there by... She's working for the... Elite. You know? Like, what if she is the one who ends up erasing all of their memories before the race? For the, for the good. For, 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 for the good of them all, she erases all their memory. You know how in... I hate to bring up Harry Potter with how this episode's been going, but in the first seventh movie, when Hermione... Oh, with her parents? parents. Yeah, yeah. So she, they yeah, won't worry about like her. her. Yeah. I mean, Obliviate yeah. doesn't exist in Supernatural, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, like the similar idea of like doing it for protection or, you know, yeah. to save people. Yeah. I was thinking more along the lines because she was told to by whoever she's working for. Well, so this episode <laughs> dealt with, albeit sloppily, manipulation. Proximo was manipul- manipulated by the Akrita. The Golem was um, manipulated Also, by the-, the fact that Jack was trying to, like, essentially possess John and Mary. Um, and when he was like, our love will live... What did he say? Our love will live on in you forever. I'm like that. And I was like... Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> also, what's, what's kind of freaking me out about this memory stuff is what prompted her to start that? And... 
clearly it's going to be used in the future. And and also, this is kind of unrelated, but I'm still on the Carlos is going to have a brush with death train. I mean, they're all going to have a brush with death, but, you know, at some point. Well, I John just, already did. John already did. He literally <laughs> died already. Uh, <laughs> still so, waiting to see how he came back. Waiting for Well, yeah, flashback. I'm waiting for that conversation. Like, who the fuck did you meet while you were in Congress? Yeah. But, but uh, Lada, when you start talking about things like blood magic, that's when things start to get a little shaky like on shaky ground that's never really viewed at as on the show supernatural as a good thing and the only person who could really do any blood magic and kind of get away with it unscathed was rowena yeah so it's kind of like i'm thinking of the the what, what was that book that charlie was sacrificed for the book of the damned book of the damned this feels yeah. book of the damned ish a little bit yeah that's why i feel like I don't know. That's why I'm like wondering if this is like Gabriel slash Loki posing as Tony or something like that and like manipulating Lata as well. Cause like she's like a knowledge seeker. She wants to know about these things yeah. to like figure out how she can help in her way, you know? Gabriel, don't be mean to her. And if, and like, I don't know. I don't know. I wonder. I wonder. I'm just like, I'm nervous. I'm nervous for her being in the memory and brain thing. Yeah. Because historically that doesn't end well for people yeah. or doesn't lead down good roles. So yeah. Roads. So Carlos's resolution not to forget about Anton in spite of his fear. He said, but seeing Roxy choose to live with her memories of the accreted and hearing her say she'd be okay in spite of it made me realize that sometimes the things you want to forget are probably the things you shouldn't. Which feels like a big glaring red flag in some ways for like how this season might end. But it's also, but like, also just like a really like a great little character moment for Carlos though. Yeah. Like I loved the I loved the I love the interiority that this story gave him. You know? Yeah. And, and I just like how they aren't just brushing away his relationship with yeah, Anton. Like if there's actual discussion happening of his relationship. And it's leading to his character because, development. Yeah. However, I want someone to say that that line to John as he's crying in the shower um, in episode four. The, yeah. Because obviously he's struggling with that. Oh, what? oh. Huh. I wonder when Lada started getting into this whole memory business because, you know, at the end of episode four, you know, she's trying to teach him to like be in the moment, all that kind of stuff, all that like good vibe shit. I think that's episode five or six or Art of Dying. Actually, it might have been Art of Dying. Regardless. Yeah. You had all this stuff. They know he's struggling with issues. Carlos knows he's struggling with PTSD issues. Memory of his, of his, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to call him boyfriend, uh, getting blown up in front of his face. And... So when did this memory business begin? And has anyone offered John the ability to pluck that from his brain? Not yet. No, I don't think so. I feel like the memory thing is recent. No, that's what I'm saying. Like this is like this is just me going in my brain. Like you know, it's new. I wonder what. And when thinking about people in their group of four who would be most likely the target for memory erasure it would be john yeah um absolutely particularly when uh murphy got blown up so 
it'll be interesting yeah. to see. I, I just, I get nervous when good characters look at dark shit like that. I think it's, I, I mean, I get a little nervous, but also I get excited about it because it's interesting. Oh, oh no. Like I'm yeah. excited for the thing, but yeah. I'm like, uh, but I'm scared. Yeah. Like, it's sort of like looking yeah. at a roller coaster. I'm like, it's I like, know I'm it's like, it's it. like one fear <laughs> meme. <laughs> it's like, it's literally like looking at a roller coaster. I'm excited. I know I'm going to have a blast while I'm on it, but Jesus Christ, it looks very terrifying from the ground. Yeah. That's how I'm feeling right now. About or like her. It's, the, it's the climb to the top of that first drop. You know, yeah, it just uh, uh, nervous. <laughs> but let's end this with some bright spots because I feel like yes. you were kind of all over the place with this because some parts of this episode had good parts, but we've so we've yeah. dug into the questionable stuff. So let's start with Dean's narration. Hunting and happy endings don't usually mix. So when you get your chance, you got to ask yourself, how far will I go to get it? This made me insane. <laughs> lost brain cells listening to this on repeat i was like what Um, my thing i thought of immediately um 1518 yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) like not to make everything about dusty because i actually don't mean to do that but like it's the the show show. is handing us the red clown nose this is not literally (laughs) just like like, Listen, I I was listen I was re-listening to episodes, um, but <laughs> when I was listening to our like retrospective on their childhood episode, I made a comment like I know in my heart the show is not going to be about Destiel, but I like to clown. And then I went to the chat and I was like, guys, this is what I just said, but like, but like the show is doing it for me. <laughs> the show's literally <laughs> doing it for me. <laughs> It's like, it's like I tried to keep watching this. Like, yeah, I'll get some Desi Apparels here and there. Episode four, it was laden with them, and I get that. But like, when I heard the hunting and happy endings don't usually mix, uh, how far will I go to get it? It immediately reminded me of Cass's like fifteen eighteen speech. His whole thing about making a deal, and then that deal residing on him being happy, and. So Dean, what are you doing? How yeah, far are you getting? No, to seriously, what? like serious eyebrow raises at that, just because like the main plot of the episode was pretty, uh, you know, on the nose yeah, in really terms of like John Mary relationship, but also like Dean himself, since we know that he's knocking over dominoes and has like an active role in what's going on. Yeah. Like we can take it one step further. Is he doing this because he's trying to arrange his own like happy ending? Like. And he's fucking things up in the process. Like, is he going to, anyway, this actually, I'm going to share my, like, I'm going to, I had this thought, this like image of like what the end of the season might look like when we were talking about this in the server. But like, we know about the airport scene where Dean and, and John are at the same time. And I like had this thought that if they do a reset, um, which like, I feel like there's probably like at least an 80% chance that's how they end the season. But like it ends up being like a rewind sort of thing where it goes through like things that have happened. And then it gets to the airport when John gets home and we see Dean taking back the letter. And then he like looks at the letter and looks at John and then decides not to give it to John after all. Ooh, I wonder what that would make season two. And then season, for me, like I've always said that 
it would be really fucking epic of them to like do that. And then when John roll, like have John roll back into town again, but this time it's actually normal Illinois um, would be like really banger. <laughs> if you ask me <laughs> and then like zoom out to, to a, to a shot of Rob and top yeah. of the world starts playing. Anyway, that's my vision. If I was <laughs> writing this show, that's what would happen. But but yeah, I'm just like, it makes me wonder like Dean, more about Dean's role in this and like, why is he doing this? And how is that going to affect like how the finale plays out? You know, I was just saying that you can also take his whole narration one step further. Like, yeah, it's about the main plot of the episode. And yeah, it's about Dean himself. But it's also about Jensen. <laughs> well, but for real, but for real though. I'm Literally. It's, it's literally, it's literally <laughs> him since the day principal, I mean, it probably started way before that, but the day principal photography shut down on Supernatural in September of 2020, he hit the ground running. He They'd already been planning the show. They started like working on it in the summer of 2020. And so when you read things like this, like hunting and happy endings don't usually mix aka in real life being told well what did you expect it's supernatural that it was going to end happy or so when you get your chance like when you have money and you can (laughs) how far will you go to get get your character that you have an production company that was originally named free will productions yeah it's like how far are you willing to go (laughs) to get that happy ending because you felt shafted because the character you played for 15 years of your life and that so many people fell in love with is unceremoniously killed off. Yeah. And didn't and get to have that, a happy ending with the love of his goddamn life. Anyway. The fact that Drake recently made a rebar joke, I was like, like I think Jensen that, totally complains about that to them all the time. Absolutely. All the time. And so it's just kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, when Ravi was like, yeah, I'll call him up to see if this is something that Dean would say. And at this point, it's like, was that Dean or was that just the actor saying that on behalf the actor <laughs> and the character are just one and the same at this point? Yeah. <laughs> I just keep just, oh, I didn't like the way he went out. I thought that was well documented. Just lives in my head. Oh, my God. Right. Oh, seriously. Stop um, beating around the bush. He's like, no, I fucking hated it. I hated he it. He's going to have a show right now where he's alive in some form. Um, another bright spot, if we're going to, like, get some good out of the John and Mary story that happened here, um, was the parallels between Jack and Dorothea and John and Mary were really crunchy and interesting. Um, well, that was crunchy. Yeah, because that scene, uh, you know, burying the two of them. And the discussion they have was like, wow. <laughs> um, Mary continuously calling John out on his future behavior to his face is just such a great feeling. Such a great mm-hmm. feeling. It's just the irony bells continue to ring. Yeah. Because like, you know, she's specific, like John is like, well, you know, what you, the things you do for love. And Mary's like, that's not love. That's selfish. Like, <laughs> tell me we'll never be like that. And I'm like, Girl, Ooh, got, uh, Mary, I have some real bad news for you. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mary. I'm I'm so sorry. Uh, and also, just like you know, in turn, like that line that was like Jack was only thinking of himself of what he wanted. It didn't matter if it cost him his humanity to get it. And also, in relation to like Dean's narration about happy endings and what we're willing to do, like I'm wondering, you know, is he willing yeah. to like fuck up the universe to to do this? You know. 
So listen, if it means getting whatever, cast whatever. back and everyone gets to live happily ever ever, fine. Fuck it up. <laughs> Fuck it up, my man. Um, but yeah. I'm like I'm just at the point where it's like, what the fuck else am I supposed to Right? Like what am I like what else would he be talking Like if you have other thoughts that we're just like because we're sort of tunnel visioned on this that like aren't related, please let us know. We would love to hear them. But like genuinely, I I don't know. This is my argument when from this. Whenever I would talk about a potential continuation, and I've been screaming continuation, I think since like the week after the finale aired. Yeah, because I was I I had to give myself hope, and at first I didn't partially in denial, partially like. Yeah, but like over time, yeah. I eventually like by over time, I mean like within a month, I was like, yeah, no, there's gonna be a continuation. Yeah, and that's not me saying I'm smart or anything. It's just me going, and it, it was just me. I really want it, but every time I would mention it, someone would say, "But I don't want it if it, they're not gonna do like Destiel." And I, what I would counter with is, there's literally no reason to bring it back, other than to address that. That yeah. would literally be one of the top things that they would address and so if they're because with how it ended yeah it ended shittily but it ended and they're dead and show's over so if you're going to revive it you have to go after the threads that were still hanging and that was a yeah. major thread that was still hanging yeah exactly. so like they wouldn't bring it back to not address it or not exactly i'm like they, they would yeah. have to address it and they're not going to be stupid to bring it back just have dean go no 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 homo bro and then like walk off like they're not going to yeah. do that no. Um, <laughs> oh, can you imagine all of this? All that Dean is doing right now is just to get to cast, so he can be like, "I love you too, but not like that." <laughs> just be <just laughs> <my> friends. Lydia, <laughs> your powers. Friends. Listen, you need to take that back right now because your powers of prophecy <laughs> have been too strong recently. No, no. <laughs> I think. I think. Um, I mean, I'm not getting into the psychology of this man, but I think especially watching reaction videos after November yeah. 5th really cemented the, okay, we got to fix this. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's why, like, whenever with the prequel <laughs> here, I don't want to always read Destiel into everything because it doesn't have to be. Yeah. But sometimes you just can't help it between romantic tropes, between story similarities, mm, between yeah. fucking Dean's narration. It's like, what would your happy ending, Dean, be? You know? Like, what? what's it going to be? You're dead. You're in heaven with your brother. Isn't that good enough? So what's missing? Oh, Cass is missing. So I also always just think about that one behind the scenes interview from season 15 where like, um, like somebody at the interviewer asked Jensen, like, what do you, um, wish you could have gotten to do in this last season? And his answer was like, I would have liked to explore like that romance angle for him or whatever. Yeah. He also doesn't like confrontation. He doesn't like telling you how to interpret things. If he's yeah. doing his job as an actor, then you will get the message. And if you don't get it, then that's on you. Exactly. And he said that before about exactly. specifically the scene in 1519 where he runs up the stairs and he's like, if you were watching and you got what I was doing, then like, you know, exactly. you'll understand. And I'm like, I understand that you were playing somebody excited to get the love of his life back. So I understand. I was watching that scene and I was like, I am getting my broke back now. Literally. <laughs> that man ran up those stairs on his pre-keys, ready to like, plant one like, on him. <laughs> that's like, he's really good with non-verbal communication about this. And that's why with this yeah. prequel, I, I, I encourage people to watch it as its own thing. 
That's why, like, I'm not ever really joining in the calls for, is this character joining? Is this character joining? Because I don't give a shit. I just want to, like, go with the flow of the show, you know? Yeah. But, like, I, you can't deny me uh, some, and Dean's narration in this episode was one of those moments that I was like, oh, right, this is connecting to the main show. Yeah. And that was my thing, like, I... Was I mad? Was I frustrated that they never addressed the cast confession in OG Supernatural? Yes, of course. Was I more mad about the way that Dean went out? Yeah, or infinitely more mad about that than about whatever leaving that the dusty L thread ha- hanging. And so for me, I'm watching this show as like, at the end of the day, as long as they bring bring Dean back and he's happy, like I'll be, I will be content with that yeah but so I'm trying not to watch it through a Destiel lens I I, for the amount that I talk about this I really am trying not to watch it through that lens but it's very hard to do when they put at least like five fucking Destiel parallels in each episode well and also with romantic tropes so I don't like comparing John and Mary a lot to Destiel because John and Mary are a narrative pairing and Destiel is not but they do give John and Mary those typical romantic tropes. And then you realize those Oh, they're giving them the same tropes that they gave. Because Desiel gobbled all of them up in the 12 years that they existed. Yeah. But like, but like when it comes to Dean being alive and having a happy life and a happy ending and everything like that, that includes Cass. Because that was part you of the can't whole not thing. include Cass. It was part of know? the whole 1518 thing, right? Yeah. But that was Cass's happiness. But Dean was going to confess twice in season 15. You can't convince me otherwise. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I just think like they're doing a good job, not obviously overwhelming it and making it its own thing. Um, this episode aside, but it's you know even down to the final scene, you know it feels like this yeah. episode was uh, mostly set up for the last few episodes, which is usually the case for the fourth to the end. Um, and we've had like hints that John's history is not so squeaky clean. Yeah, that was another thing. Sorry, I'm topic jumping right now, but like. Funny. Between that ending with John and Kyle and everything, and what I remember Betty saying from the previous episode about how going to Vietnam War would kind of like knock shit out of him, like get it out of him. And also I do wonder from this episode, her saying that he, somebody saying that he has a file with the Lawrence PD. I'm, I'm starting to wonder if he was a violent child. Um, yeah, like maybe he like beat somebody up. You know, because, like, when Betty said the thing about about the war, which I'm just like, who the fuck said someone to the Vietnam War to kick anything out of them? But um, I thought she meant, like, get his demons out of him in the sense of just, like, all the shit about his father and everything. But now it's sounding like maybe he meant the the Vietnam War also get the violence out of him because Vietnam was a very violent war. So that's disturbing. Very cool. <laughs> By cool, I mean like disturbingly cool to like look at John like that. Like, no, it wasn't just Murphy blowing up in front of him. No, it wasn't his father. He's always been kind of like a violent child. Um, yeah, that would be interesting to me. Um, I also think that like you know, if they were trying, if part of the reason why the Golem thing happened the way it did is because they were trying to avoid John and Mary killing like a human being, I feel like I almost feel like having John kill jack himself would have added more weight to like him being framed for murder anyway 
Yes. Because it'd be so easy to be like, John would never do this, but like also he did do this earlier in the episode, you know, and that would, I think, make it a little bit more interesting and complex and like, yeah, Jack was a Nazi. And frankly, if he killed him, I wouldn't have cared. Yeah. But, uh, but it does add some, a moral grayness and a moral dilemma, I guess, to this that I think isn't necessarily there right now because we know for a fact that John, you and know, it's like, and it's not the same him. as like Dean or Sam killing growing up because that's what they were taught to do, how to deal with certain things. John, if, if, it, if indeed he was violent as a child as well, be, maybe because of his father issues, who knows, but he's still violent. Then no one taught him that he just was that had those um, instincts and, you know, yeah, so that would be really interesting. And then in he did go to the Vietnam War, you know, which, where he got traumatized and now still has issues with it. Would make like we're thinking about violent, you know how they can even the pilot episode where like you know they continued to have him like separate from the rest of the crew when they defeat whatever they're fighting, but like him beheading that Lugaru. Yeah, he did in that two with seconds ease. with ease. I you know. I'm concerned. Obviously, I don't. I I know a lot. I'm. You know how some people have World War II phases. I had a Vietnam War phase, so I consumed everything Vietnam War. Sending someone who is violent, first of all, in general, into any kind of military branch would really just make them more violent. But also sending them to something like Vietnam War, where where it is so stressful. Not only are you under attack all the time, but you have to do some horrific attacks. I'm not even going to get into some of those. It's like, why did John really want to go to the war? Did he want it? Because like, I remember at the beginning of of the show, we were kind of like, why did John going to the Vietnam War make him think that he would help, it would help him with issues with his father or whatever like that? It's not yeah. like Henry would have gone to the Vietnam War. He was dead. But but now I'm wondering if John was like, I'm going to go to the and war. And also Henry because... wasn't a fighter. Well, that know? too. So yeah. now I think that. Imagine if Henry had been around. Henry would have been a conscientious objector. Oh, and yeah, John is there like raring to go. Man. Yeah. But, <laughs> so like now, but now I'm wondering if it's not so much finding answers about his father that's why I went to the Vietnam War because that made no sense and that was confusing for a while but instead it is John going I'm going to go to this war to beat some of these demons out of me and fight for our country while doing it that way I have an excuse to do violence and I won't get punished for doing violence and work out all this aggression which unfortunately that's also how they get a lot of boys into the military but that's a broader yeah. subject so um, yeah i'm i'm down with nervous. the military industrial complex anyway yeah <laughs> um and then is this all going to lead to betty becoming like an ally or drive a deeper wedge between her and the core four i want her to become not part of the core four i want her to be someone i don't trust for a while yeah i mean in the trailer for next week they show a little clip where it looks like mary like throws a legit punch at her so um i don't know that she's going to become an ally but i think the dynamic will be interesting i'm wondering does betty betty probably isn't aware that this was kyle's plan see that's the thing i don't know about betty like half of me is like or like but then there yeah the half of me is like you're a normal human who is like to be fair, like from the outside perspective, rightfully suspicious of yeah. what's going on with John. But then also there's a part of me that's like, 
the the San Miguel painting, I just cannot fucking forget about how. No. And then like the weirdness with like this this really specific styling she has when she like wants something out of John and and Ramilly. she was already so like even before this episode, yeah. the last episode, she was kind of pushing Millie into suspecting John of stuff already. Yeah. And so now this episode ends like this, even though so Betty- like. Yeah. Now I'm wondering, like, I don't know if it's a case where like she, the first thing where like, she's just a suspicious human and like, she has no clue that Kyle was planning on doing this or if maybe like angel possessed Betty was like, here's what you're going to do. I feel like she's or like a goat. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like if there's going to be anything with her, I would be angelic because I like this idea of her already sowing deeds, uh, seeds of doubt in Millie's mind. And then the very next episode, John's discovered like how he was. Yeah. Um, even though, even though Betty just met Kyle, I think she knew where this was going to go and was specifically. Betty is just a big old question mark right now. <laughs> Betty, <laughs> Betty kind of scares me. <laughs> um, and then I guess the last little thing to touch on. Is the Akrita's plan to draw Dean out going to work? Or are they going to Dean bait us for a few more episodes? I don't think we're going to see him till the finale. I'm sorry. I, yeah, I'm inclined to agree with that. I'm inclined to agree with that. I don't think we're going to see him again till the finale, um, which so, is fine with me. But I, I'm enjoying the little nuggets we're getting. So I like, I enjoy the bait sometimes. In fact, most times I enjoy the, the being baited by shows because it just means there's more opportunity to like flesh out the characters and the plot and the process. So like, you know. Well, listen, I thought Dean was going to show up in this episode um, and I got anti-Semitism instead. So <laughs> I- Okay, Libby, don't expect anything. Don't expect anything from now on. Um, no, what I think is, um, I don't think we're going to see him until the final episode. However, I imagine we'll continue to get more pictures and everything. Yeah. So it is going to be funny because now that we know that he wears a wig for his short hair. Um, Wait, what? Makes- not- what? He filmed and his hair is still long, guys. He wears a wig for his short hair now. Did you not realize that? If you look at his hair from the first season, from the first episode of the season, it looks a little different, right? And everyone was like, "Yeah, this is weird." That's a yeah. Wig. Why is his hair like that? That's no, I wig. just thought that it was because his hair was long, and they tried to style it so he didn't have to cut no. it because of big guy. Yeah, it's a wig because his hair was still a little too long, even at the con right after filming that. But also, even that aside, think about right now. They've filmed that already. We just saw him at a con and his hair is long. So he would have worn a wig. <laughs> so he has a short wig, which is hilarious. That's so funny to me. <laughs> I, I don't know about that. His hair is so long. So Unless, in, I mean. In episode one, you think that was a wig? Yeah. Every, I just I think that it looked funny. I think that I personally I think that it looked funny because he had longer hair, but they were trying to style it like Dean still. I don't think it was. Yeah, and it was like, I don't think it was a wig. It was. It was I don't think it was a wig. It was a wig. I like. I was trying to discover <laughs> that like like did like pixel by pixel analyzation. This is going to be the thing that deeply divides us. But but yeah, Jenna's like he's wearing a wig, and me and Lydia are like he's not wearing a wig. That aside, that aside, doesn't even like that's one one issue. I'm talking about this finale where Dean's going to be in the airport with John. He's st- 
Jensen still has long hair. We've been We haven't seen any shots of him from the episode yet. We don't know how long or short his hair is going to be. His hair is going to be short, okay? Dean's not going to have long hair. (laughs) What if it looks the way it did in the pilot? That's a wig! Then it would be his long hair. It would look like Dean. (laughs) If his hair is as short as it was in the pilot, then it is more specifically a wig. It was not that short before or after filming this finale for this show. All of your audio is so blown out for the last four minutes. It's all at max volume. I'm sorry. Feedback. It's so I'm sorry. funny. You're wearing a wig. completely derailed and broken us psychologically. Okay, wig. Not his Dean hair. I don't think it's a wig. That's what his hair looked like at the time. In the, in the, if it wasn't a wig in the pilot, it's going to be a wig now. Do you want me to bring up pictures of the last convention to you? Like I don't look enough at the convention stuff. I'm sorry. Hang on, hang on. One second. One fucking second. There's no way. We only see him for like 45 seconds. The single meme to promote this episode is just the party city wig. Hang on. In the SBN tradition of wig. Hang on. Hang the fuck on. I'm trying to find a good like side shot of him. Look at his hair right now. This is from the last con. If his hair What are you talking about, Jen? That is the perfect length of hair to get the hair that he had in the pilot. Yes it is. No. That's just styled differently. Yes. It's just styled differently because Dean tended tended to have his hair styled upwards, not to the side. So if you gave that height, it would totally look like that. Jen. Yes. Hair's too long. No, it's not. Yeah. I've worked with wigs. I have worked with wigs. I feel confident that this is that his hair <laughs> pilot was not a wig. Because, like, why would you go to all the trouble of giving a wig that wasn't Dean's regular hair? Look at it moving like, the wig. Look at it moving the wig. No, there's just it's a lot a of wig. gel that's long it's and needed it to stay there. I think it's just got. A, I think it's got a lot of product in it because it's like all like the chunks. I don't think it's a wig. <laughs> this is like. If you guys, wait, okay. Which one of you guys are going to Atlanta? Both yeah. of you are going to Atlanta, right? Do yeah. any of you have a meet and greet with him? No. <laughs> they haven't even gone on auction yet. <laughs> okay. Well, okay, I'll give you this. If I get, if I, if one of us gets last question in. No, that's just the, that's the question. Yeah. Were you wearing a wig in the pilot? <laughs> it was, it was a wig. And. I don't the finale he will have a wig on. All right. All right then. I feel like this is the perfect place to end this I'm... episode. <laughs> on that note. On that note. <laughs> um sorry. So quick little uh reminder. Turns out there won't be a new episode today, so don't tune in at 9 p.m. There will not be anything to watch. So, but next week, February 21st, they will be airing a new episode. Uh, very excited for it. Um, it'll also be airing at 8 p.m. again, 8 p.m. Eastern uh, on the 21st when it comes back. So no more, no more rerun beforehand, unless they're doing reruns at 7. But, but yeah, um, back to that original time slot. Thanks for listening. Wait, hang on. Wait, show me the picture. Trying to turn his hair oh my God. is a wig. Yes. In the <laughs>
conversation. Um, <laughs> um, a wig. Oh, All right, his hair. Okay, <laughs> after this episode comes out, we can put yeah. a poll on Tumblr. That'll poll to promo the episode. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this has been the prequel at the end of the book podcasts with your hosts, Rachel, Jen, and Lydia. Um, thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, review especially, and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will see you next week for a little interim episode. Uh, oh yeah, we're gonna quiz. We're gonna quiz Lid on if something is a supernatural plot point or not. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, this will be fun actually. I feel like I need to do a disclaimer. She has watched the show. She just doesn't remember everything, which is fair. Oh, we should ask people to submit. Oh, like, okay, yeah. Like, so if people could submit plot. through our socials or to our email, um, things that were. Totally real, not both yeah. small, supernatural um, You can submit actual things that happened. You can submit things that didn't happen. Because um, we're going to see if Lid can tell the difference. Um, <laughs> well, I literally forgot Rufus died. So yeah. I, I promise I don't remember. Yeah. This is going to um, be fun. So yeah, see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>